G'day punters, welcome back to the deep dive off the long spell. Pete Anthony, Shane Curlio, Rob Scurry here to talk all things narrative-based and what better way to start than Royal Ascot, because I'm sure we've all got highlights, lowlights. I didn't even watch a race live, so I'm going to be heavily relying on you two. Shane, I'm going to start with you because I know that you are a narrative-driven person and you would have loved what happened there during the week. What was your special highlights of Royal Ascot? I'm coming off the back fence here, Pistol. I was excited when I saw this on the run on the run sheet. <laughs> so many angles at Royal Ascot. The absolute highlight for me was the coming out of Ben Mallam and Jamie Carr as a couple. Um, an absolute highlight. Um, she's a looker, isn't she, uh, Jamie? Uh, all dressed up there. And Ben's a smooth-looking operator himself. So are we looking at the new glamour couple of Victorian racing? My word we are, Peter. My word we are. Don't know what effect that has on anything. Um, I thought that she's riding ordinary anyway and been swerving her mounts anyway. But um, <laughs> uh, from a Maori point of view, this is a wonderful, wonderful um, byproduct of the uh, Airbnb fiasco. And um, here we are. So that was my highlight. Um little bit of competition now for the other Glamour couple uh, being Caitlin and J-Mac. Uh, but J-Mac lets his talking, lets his riding do the talking. Um, and he showed that he's absolutely world-class with his performances. Not that I watched any rides live, but I didn't need to, Peter, because I was absolutely drowned in the narrative on Twitter from our friends at racing.com tab and Sky who relentlessly, relentlessly tweeted uh, Nature Stripe and um, <laughs> J-Max, other winners on the week. It was hard to miss. Um, the other, not necessarily highlight, but learning, right, is that anyone, no, let me start that again. It's not that hard to train a winner over there, clearly. Yeah. Um, I mean, Artorius, who's a perennial midfield place getter in Australian race. He goes over there and was, yeah, no, he's got a bad racing pattern, so he's always going to be up against it, but arguably something licked, maybe not something licked, but could have been, could have easily won the race with a, you know, with a, you know, touch of things going his way. Um, Nature Strip did what everyone expected him to do. Um, so did Home Affairs. Yeah. Did exactly what we expected him to do. Uh, we know that he's not much good in Australian sprinting ranks, and he proved that on the world stage. So congratulations to everyone involved there. Speaking of not much good, in, I mean, it's, I know it's hard to get a, a gauge on how good a lot of these European horses are and how consistent the UK racing is, but some of these group ones are surely pretend. They're, they're as pretend as our group ones. And we always have this back and forth about whose horses are better, blah, blah, blah. You know, state of rest one, another group one. Well, that just franks how good the Cox Plate was. And, you know, we, we all go... Well, they knocked it off. Yeah. In a, what, a five-horse race or whatever it was. Like, yeah. these aren't real races. We've got so many pretend group ones around the world at the moment. It's Does anyone care? No, no probably not. I don't. Look, it suits the narrative spinners here. You know, the battler from down under going yeah. over on the world stage. Australia is the world stage, pal. Yeah. We don't have to go over there to prove ourselves against uh, against those inbred um, European horses ranks. <laughs> like, this is, Australia is the world stage. We have the highest yeah. prize money. 
We have the best racehorses, goodest racehorses as anywhere in any jurisdiction up to 1,400. Um, <laughs> like, we we undersell ourselves for the narrative, you know, the yeah. Um Mate, the last thing I'll say about Royal Ascot is a taxi driver from Coimbe and took a horse over <laughs> there and won. It's not that big a deal. Yep. The, the sprinters in the rest of the world are just not much good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think I can add anything more to that you know you go back over the journey and you see all these horses travel over and you feel a little bit of national pride and then you realize that's all very much mistaken because you've got actually nothing to do with the horse the horse doesn't realize it's from australia it doesn't give a shit and you're making a millionaire already rich and far healthier like yeah it's a it's a troublesome week having said that i'm going to try and get there next year because it should coincide with the Ashes. So I'll be there in England for the Ashes. And if I get time, I'll go watch some horses parade around and do some mounting yard mail. I'm sure no one will give a shit about it. It'll be great. It'll be good content. Um, Stradivarius' fifth leg is the highlight of the mounting yard, which has been for the last five years. If he goes around again next year, it will be. And Frankie yeah, Vittori. Frankie just doing Frankie things and entertaining the crowd. And good luck. It's uh, a game of narrative. Pity the Queen wasn't there. Because the king was, and when I say the king, I mean PVL, of course, <laughs> who was in the carriage down the straight there, waving to the crowd, and then had apparently, according to a story from Ray Thomas, he actually sat next to the queen uh, and shared a broke bread together. Yeah, you know, was able to yarn about um, how strong Australian racing is. So. Well, she does sponsor one of the great group one races there at Randwick in the championships. I'm not sure she's the actual sponsor, but it may as well be. It would be far more hilarious if she was. Well, maybe that's British, British taxpayer. Hi, guys. <laughs> oh, sorry, I forgot you were here. <laughs> Welcome, Rob. Did you have a highlight or a low light from Royal Ascot? Did you watch any? Did you give a shit? Uh, I, I, the body clock got up for the King Stand. I thought nature <laughs> ship was a good thing. I, I, I was... Wesley Ward scared me. With his, <laughs> he he seems uber confident that his horse was going to win. He, he had this like, like he already knew it was going to win. But um, yeah, I took a little bit of three fifty about Nature Strip. Went back to bed pretty quickly. Yeah, it was a pretty easy watch after the Yankee missed the start. It's really um, it's really un-American, isn't it, to be cocky and <laughs> oh god, he, think he, you're the best in the world. And then yeah, he was everything. amazing. Um, I love I love I love Jamie Carr, and I wish she'd embrace. She's a bad bitch, you know. Let J Mac and. Oh, I, mate, ha- I have, completely have agree. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm a bad bitch. I'd like to see her get back riding and embracing that attitude. I, well, Ben Mellon's the bad boy. Winners. Ben, ben yeah. Mellon's the bad boy racing. So why can't she be the bad bitch? I think it's great. I think it's a narrative that if the mainstream racing media don't grab hold of, we certainly should be. Because mm. I'm cheering them 100%. Stay tuned for that later in the year, punters. We're going to get deep into relationships of jockeys as we get further into spring. We'll lose all sense of analysis, but this is the deep dive. So what better way of getting deeper than just talking about people who are rooting? Um, deep. Yeah, deep. Part <laughs> mentally, I'm talking, Peter. I'm talking mentally deep. <laughs> so we're zoning in on the mental, the mental aspect of that. All right. Well, that's on enough. Yeah. That's enough gutter trash for us, uh, the first deep dive back for a little while. Um, there were some races on the weekend, and I don't think any of them were really much chop. Probably the standout was at Flemington because he had passive aggressive in the Crestwick, 
the Crest Week. And the the last five years of the Crest Week has produced some pretty good winners. You've had Front Page, which is the handy Flemington sprinter. But before that, you had GTRA and you also had Nature Strip as well. And here you had Passive Aggressive beating Star Patrol, even Tempo, both decent enough figures. Girls, we learn anything about which of these two is the better horse or is Star Patrol probably just been up for a little bit longer than Passive Aggressive and we won't see it again for the next few months. Come a long way from me doing my complete crumpet on it in a couple of maidens at the Gold Coast, hasn't it? Um, it must make Star you feel Patrol. wonderful. <laughs> Hate talking about it. Uh, the first thing that I looked at uh, that I thought, and I, I'm probably wrong here because I haven't done a lot, but I was unsure about... Um, you know, how, you know, obviously it's had those two really big runs, you know, and then, you know, was it gonna, is it going to be able to produce again, I suppose? It has been up a while. Did the track condition play any part? Like it still run, you know, reasonably good figure uh, or benchmark, a couple of lengths off, maybe a length and a half off what it's done previously. Yeah. So that's it. Maybe it's just a genuine firmer deck. That's Firm probably back, the only fast excuse. Fast, but yeah. I don't know. The winner was impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. But I mean, look, we, we don't get anything. They're both good horses. That's the that's all you're getting out of that. Um, if they run in bigger races later in the year, mm, we'll wait like, until you know, yeah. the three year old filly uh, that is passive aggressive. You know, there's a there's an angle for it at Everest slot, or does it go to the Manicato where it can actually get a Group One figure on its uh, CV? That's the other question. They'll pick the low-hanging fruit, won't they? And now, like some of these races, the VRCs bump them up a little bit more. You get a little bit more bang for your buck. Not that it means anything. Doesn't mean anything to me either. No. Unless I earned it. Yeah. Um, okay. Rob, Rose Hill was very ho-hum in terms of the data. The best figure on the day on punting forms figures is born a king in race five, which is no surprise because often those staying races, as soon as there's any sort of tempo, they do produce a pretty big figure. So if you take that race out of the equation, the best figure on the card was Skyman um, over 2,000 metres, which is also a staying journey. If you take that figure out of the equation, the best figure on the card is Bella Rouge, which was over 1,300 with a figure of minus 4.8, which is very ho-hum for you know, your overall standard of racing on a Metro Saturday in Sydney. Uh, did anything stand out to you? Uh, six out of eight Waller winners. Um, <laughs> glorious. Belarouge, you know, at, at top Waller. It was between perfect Waller and at top Waller. I think I tipped five winners second in my numbers and didn't back any of them. And, and then failed to back Titanium Power in the last, which is a horse being really good to me. So I was due a strip and I've had a shocking week. So yeah. enough enough about me. I thought the two-year-old, I saw it, uh, Kaibu, the Maurice yeah. Colt. How is that Maurice Colt selling? Is it all gone? Not quite. Still some available. What did Annabelle say about Maurice? Might be the most exciting stallion in Australia. She did say that. It's amazing. Hey, you know how I feel about Japanese horses. Uh, why isn't it sold, Pete? Why is it? Why isn't um, Miss Billionaire? The, anyway, um, Kaibu didn't quite look ready at Warwick Farm to win. He killed him that day, and he, he just looked like he had improvement to come again. So, and I thought the second horse, which I thought was a, a moral from the yard, but I didn't have the the, the nerve to to back to win five at evens. Um, yep. Really improved uh, the Pierre. He's got a kilo and a half. So I'm not saying that's a terrible race. It's the first dry deck for a long, long time. Um, so, you know, I was um, not invested on the punt, but invested in other areas on the race, uh, more on the breeding side. 
particularly the second horse. So I thought um, gave the race away when he went back, you know, the typical mm. go back, get cover. Um, leaders not slow, had a picnic. Ninth fastest last 200 of the meeting, Ossipanko. It's um, pretty reasonable effort, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think Ram Red, it's given the winner a kilo and a half, who I think is a smart horse. And uh, just looking through your position and wide starter there in punting form, if you did not set a rails and run, it was very difficult to be winning on the card, which yeah. I think a lot of people expected. First time back on a you know good track at Rose Hill, rail six, it was going to be up and inside in particular. One of Uncle's horses, Wicklow, won from last. Yeah. Um, so I think I think it's a pretty good Rose Hill. I know that was obviously inside bias, but you know he seemed to be wanting to be off off the fence in the straight as well. So that's typical again, Rose Hill. Yeah, exactly. And look, there's going to be all sorts of variability there. I think in Sydney over the coming weeks, months, as we get different horses coming back in, you get horses going out. You've got all of a sudden good tracks after you've had basically wet tracks since February. It's going to be very difficult. But that's why you've got the best edge, Rob. Yeah, well, we'll just, just go along and, you know, not, not shit the bed like I did last week. Anyway. Yeah, Dyer, I did the same thing at Belmont, which was probably the windiest day I'd been on course in quite a while. And I went back and checked some of my historical notes, very windy tracks, and I've stripped on all of them. So <laughs> it, what it, basically what it says to me, as soon as the wind gets over about 35 k's an hour, I just basically put, put the laptop horses away. Horses freak out about wind. Yeah. And you know what the worst part was? I think seven, uh, six favourites won and one was second favourite. So uh, the trend continues. I did some data last week. And if you blindly back every single favourite in WA on a metro track in the last six months, you break even. Oh, wow. Which is just You should just, just be staggering. betting to win, you know, betting to win five every race. Oh, it's just... Oh, I may as well not even do the four. I may as well not even turn yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Get, so, just set the bot. Who's the best favourite backer in Australia from a tipping point of view? I'll just get Gary Harley to do it. Gary, you want to come over to Perth? <laughs> There's more COVID over here, but at the same time, it's warmer. And I've been talking just to Chrissy Lazy Locks this one. <laughs> they look good on Tuesday, they reckon. Oh, dear. Anyway, it's just shit house. But I had a winning week, which is bizarre because I dusted 10 units on Saturday, but picked up some at Northern and a couple on Wednesday with um, a straight, my favourite name to all. I, I, I didn't bet on Thursday. That was the day we all, we all after that strip on. Yeah. <laughs> Let it go, you know. Anyway, um, let's just say I'm keen to get to Canterbury, which has actually been quite good to me. Rose has been shit to me. Anyway, I'm talking about me again. Well, let's spend a bit of time talking about Ipswich because that's where most of the feature races, and I say that term very loosely, mm. were based on the weekend. You had the Ipswich Cup, the Eyeliner, and the Gay Waterhouse there, Curls. Best fear on the card looks to be centrefire there in the Gay 1,200-metre race. What did you think of the card? Oh, um, I think I might have tweeted out Thursday or Friday. This is the most straightforward metropolitan card I've seen for a while. Um, no shock that I won, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, this is like a, it was, a, it was, um, the low, it, this is the low point of the winter carnival, um, yeah. on the track and off it. Um, white, <laughs> white sunnies, white shoes, snake skin, you know, tarot cash, uh, suit combos it is it, Ipswich. Um, the infield's got 15,000 people in there. About 84% of them have mullets. It's just not, you know, it's not for the faint heart of the Ipswich. Um, so what you're saying is next year, we're all taking the week off and we're doing Ipswich Cup. 
I won't be. <laughs> and I'm down. I'm just down the road from it. Um, track was uh, an interesting one. Copped a fair bit of criticism um, from some trainers and some participants. The jockey said it rode heavy eight. Uh, there was a good five on Wednesday. We didn't rain last week at all, um, and downgraded to a soft seven. Um, I would also complain about it if I had a loss, but I didn't, so I'm not complaining. Um, the interesting race, one of the interesting races to look at on the card is the Channel 7 state, Provincial Stayers Final with 100,000 over 2,500 metres. The race made famous by a horse that's long forgotten now, thankfully, called Incentivise. Yes. Who won this race um, when Bray brought into the horse. Now, the over, we don't... They have one 2,500-metre race a year at Ipswich, so it's uh, punning form finds it hard to benchmark against <laughs> the results of 2,500-metre races at Ipswich, as you can imagine. Um, I've got Read My Future going about 15 lengths slower overall. Um, so how long until Bray buys into it? Um, he'd be on the phone now, I'd say. <laughs> um Look, it, it, as Red My Future did do its best work late, um, you know, he ran the, I don't know, when Incentivise won the race, he ran the 19th fastest last 200 of the meeting. Um, I think uh, Red My Future was, he ran the 32nd fastest. So, yeah. so what I'm saying is you cannot draw any comparisons between the, those two winners. Um, you know, the rest of the day was off the fence um, and you could win. Oh, I don't know, like, where do you go from here? There's nothing really there on the, ob- you know, when I say obvious, there's some runs there that you could probably forgive a little bit. I thought Bartholomew Diaz and Breiderbeck, Bernie Beck, cut the corner to put themselves in the race, but just the way the track played, when you go back and review that meeting, I'm not sure how many lengths inferior it was, but it was certainly worth something. A um, couple of lengths probably, maybe. That's um, in the straight more than anything? In the straight, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know what's happened there. Uh, yeah, there's not a lot to, to talk about really out of this meeting. Like I said, it's the you know it is the low point of the carnival for the sake of you know class races. And thought the best horse on the card was Hollyfield, who overcame that wide gate by just riding ride the best horse in the race, like the best horse in the race. It's surprising how many times they win when you do that. Um, obviously, I was a little bit pocket tweedy. Um, after a bit of, you know, a few schooners in me after a winning set. Um, <laughs> but Brody Law is going to be a, a, the, the only thing to follow out of this meeting. Um, once the carnival's completely over and we're back to our run-of-the-mill Saturday standard races, um, he's going to be he's going to be a, a, one of the leading jocks in Queensland for sure. Uh, like I said, Holyfield probably can go to a glass house or something like that if they want him. He might be handicapped out now. I think he's a group horse. Yep. Uh, I don't think much else in that race. Don't think he's the best horse out of the meeting, anyway. To summarise it, okay, yeah. And then the week coming up is that the the final Tats group tiara? one. Is it, is yep. it the tiara? The Tats tiara, the final how group many, one. How many uncle horses will there be in it of the season? Half the oh, field. I've seen a tweet from Bensley, I think it was, who said the you know talked about the um, the nominations. Goodness me. Chris, is, Chris will have a couple. Chris uh, he's a, probably won it every year for the last 10 years, just about. Uh, Chris will have April Rain. Oh. 
I'm just guessing what horses he trains out of these. A, a tissue, I think, is his. It was oh, yeah. slaughter last time. Fucking oath. Kiko, I think Kiko's his. Nudge is his. Yes. Shout the bar might be his as well, isn't no, it? That's, no, that's gay. Yeah. No, it's gay, is it? Anyway. I saw that trial, actually, that run between um, races the other week on a Wednesday. Didn't, um, didn't impress me. Yeah, so Chris has got a few. Um, I'm sure Chris is, on, Chris is in the UK. And I'm sure he's having a chat to Volandis now because he won every race but the highway and the midway. So they're <laughs> going to have to change the eligibility criteria there for it. But he's, like gonna, the, he's got a very strong hand in the Tats Tiara um, in what looks a pretty ordinary race, just on the norms. Yeah. It's one of multiple, yeah. multiple times. Um, and then I'm looking forward to that meeting being over, Peter. Then it was uh, um, once Eagle Farm's done, that's basically it. And then it's the Sunny Coast Cup slash Glasshouse Sandy Cup. At, uh, which is on the 2nd of July. And then um, you know, then we fall off a cliff and we go to Rockhampton for the Rocky Cup. I mean, that all sounds wonderful. And then a few weeks later, it's back to Melbourne almost. Yeah. But the thing is, I've noticed, and I'm not sure this is for listeners at home, maybe <laughs> the first time listeners who will probably hear this bit of info and say, geez, he's a genius, this bloke. What I have learned, Peter, is that when you back a winner, it still pays the same, whether it's in the winter or the spring or the summer. Yes. Little, little bit of data set I've been working on there. Yes. So it's you can only back winners. You can, and the other thing too, I'll point is you only back winners when you bet. This is rapidly turning into place. That's free. Good. That's free analysis for everyone. It's good. It's good stuff as well. Um, this preview show this week, we will be introducing a new character to the show because I feel like we're fictional to begin with, but um, we'll be bringing on board one of our interns who will be trying to take us on as we go further into spring. He will be focusing on his favourite Victorian form and he'll be taking us on curls. What are you thinking of young Lindsay as he enters into the mailbag preview territory? He's got a little bit going for him, Lindsay. Um, uh, are we going to do a video show for the preview? I think we will. I think mm. we will. Uh, so anyone that's listening, make sure you tune into that. And he is a son of a rock star. <laughs> and you'll see um, you'll see that in his makeup, his looks. Um, yep. He also based in Queensland, which is another tick. Uh, I've been to the races with Lindsay a few times and just listening to how he approaches it and things like that. And He'll be perfectly fine, and I look forward to teaching the little pup a few lessons. Okay, very good. And I'm sure he'll be teaching us a few things as well. He taught me a few things game one of Origin when we went downtown in Brisbane. Mm. What, so, what was that? Yeah. Um, how not to treat your body as a 45-year-old. No, we drank for so long. Cool. We drank, we drank a lot of weird cocktails, and when I hadn't drank for eight weeks, no, and then yeah. got on the cocktails with Lindsay, destroyed me basically. Very good, very good. Um, I'm not sure we have anything else to talk about racing wise. It's been a busy few weeks, but also a very uninteresting few weeks as well, unless you breed or own winners, um, which oh, showman ran yesterday. Oh, speaking of. Potential mm. winners coming up. Uh, it was a it was a nice run going home, wasn't it? I don't think it only got clear until about seventy five meters left, and even then, I'm not sure it was clear. Yeah, I don't know that he got clear at any point. Yeah. Um, Where are they going to go? 
Tevin. Uh, he'll go. He'll go to Mile Maiden, I think. Yeah. yeah. Is, is, is there any Mile Maidens on a Wednesday in town? No, we want to knock off the Maiden and then go to Saturday. Three year old. Because he's only well, a three year old. Yeah, I know, but he's only a three year old for another month or two. Yeah, so we've got one month to win one staying race and then sell him to Hong Kong as a Hong Kong derby prospect. So we've got to win one in town. But in all seriousness, he did run well. Yeah, um, he did. You know, I love it when a plan comes together and, you know, you sort of say, we know that this horse is a bit green, so he's going to be off the bit. So make sure that the jock is giving him a nice rev coming to the corner, you know, to, to remind him what it's about. And then, you know, he drops out the second last. Yeah. And it's the, been 2.3. Yeah. Had had about zero momentum for the entirety oh. of the turn in the straight. Oh. It, like was it, was, it was looking for a cart into the race and the cart was, you know, stopped and had no wheels. It wasn't great. But anyway, it's a perfect run as an owner because you just go, oh, geez, wasn't that, wasn't that something? Like you'd be going to the races next start for sure. You know, as long as it's not like a 10 hour drive or something, you'd be making your way there and a bit oh, of excitement, a bit of up and about. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to touch on is the AFL because I know we're all very big on the footy this time of year. Uh, Curls, your team is going horrendously despite still being top of the ladder. Are they still top? They must be. No, they're second now. Brisbane's second. overtaken. They play Brisbane two. Thursday night. I'm actually in Melbourne this week. Um, landed in Melbourne Wednesday night, doing some stuff with Betfair on Thursday. Yep. And being a big Melbourne man, they saw a couple of blokes asked me if I was keen to go to the footy. I said, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm a fair weather supporter. No. Nah. Uh, yeah, we're going off the field as well is the problem. Now, yep. um, Stevie May, who's there's a bit of narrative that he may be connected to this whole narrative thing that we've been speaking about all morning. Um, he's lost the plot off the track and obviously punched on with a few teammates, which is all good and well. He's got um, a history of that, doesn't he? Did, was he, he Campbell does. Brown? Campbell Brown broke his jaw. Oh, don't know about that. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, what, that Campbell Brown got his contract ripped up. Well, I thought it would have. I thought the the litmus test was the resolve would be shown the following week on the field. And uh, again, we completely dominated the game for patches and did, couldn't put it on the scoreboard. Our forward line is our problem. Nothing else. It's just our forward line. Yep. And I I'll say one. One thing about ba- Bailey, Bailey Fritch is after Luke Bruce, he's maybe the best sort of 30 metres out in, in running in open play to finish finish. He's the guy you want. He's yeah, well, we 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 have a clear we had a clear forward structure where Ben Brown and Tom McDonald were there to compete. And then at the very worst, the ball would hit the deck, and then you know our small one mids would do the rest. That hasn't been working for us. Okay, I so mean, Liz, Liz, um, you know, like old mate. Clayton Oliver had about 70,000, 75 touches the other day. Yeah. Heaps of, you know, we had heaps of the footy. You just couldn't convert. But it's fairly egregious. Football is, uh, exists yeah. for one thing, Peter, and that's to bet on it. Yep. And I'd like to hear what you've got for us. Um, I think West Coast coming off the bye played for the first time this year against Geelong. They've looked disinterested. I know they've had a lot of outs and COVID and all that sort of bullshit, but they actually look like they were playing for the first time this year. They've got Essendon Friday night. So we've got the Friday doubleheader, which I don't know why the AFL persists with this, but it's torture. You've got the Dogs playing the Hawks and then at halftime, the Eagles and the Bombers kick off. The Bombers are no good. 
I think we've established that. They are horrible, especially away from Marvel. They have to travel to Optus and all of a sudden the Eagles are back up and about. They might get a few more ins to top up that list once more. This has everything about a West Coast soft kill coming right up this weekend yeah. and getting $3 to find out. I think even if West Coast don't, don't get any more ins, you can still back them and you'll be able to trade off at some point in the run. Essendon's no good. Mm. I like that. I like that. Hawthorne and the Dogs, yeah. two of the most attractive sides sides to watch, I reckon, in the last, well, certainly the Dogs' last few years. I'm in love with Aaron Norton. I think he's a game changer. He hasn't quite lit it up, but he's only 22, so fair enough. Um, and Hawthorne, you know, they get beaten a long way, but they're, they're, they play, you know, a fast style of football, which, like the Dogs, is um, the best type of football to watch, I reckon. Yeah, so currently the dogs are a dollar forty favorite minus eighteen and a half. That's their line. So the Hawks with the plus all year has been a, a great, mm. great bet. Yeah, they've, they've, they've been in a lot of games, and every now and then they get blown out. But um, yeah, anyway, they're a good, good team to watch, and I'll certainly be what. All right, happy to uh, back them. I'll end up at the G Thursday, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure you will too. Minus five and a half. Melbourne are currently favourite. Actually, friend of the show is going to be there. With I'm going to go with him, I think. Big shout like out to friend your, of the show. Your mate from WA. Terry. Oh, yes. I'm <laughs> a big, big shout out to Terry Layton, who I just clearly forgot about momentarily. <laughs> Um, that's awkward. I'll cut that out, I'm sure. Um, okay, guys, very good. We'll catch up on Thursday and slash or Friday, depending on when we get uh, ourselves organised. We'll introduce Lindsay to the team. He can help us preview a few races from Melbourne and we'll have a look at the Tats Tiara, I guess. But, uh, sounds good. We're all excited. Have a good week, fellas. Bye for now. Bye for now.